If you're looking for the real help, babybar.online. The IRAC Method. Oh, yeah. This is the BP Learning Hand, and I am here today with the reasonable one. And we are covering the IRAC method, oh, uh, along with many other things and tangents, as is normal here. So thank you for joining us. Podcast two. So I thought we would discuss IRAC and the IRAC formula, um, specifically for like the new 1Ls that come in, because IRAC is a strange way to write. Yeah, you know, it's really, it's really pressed upon us um, to use that. And, you know, Fleming and our, our instructors, I mean, our school is kind of Fleming, a Fleming school, but... Um, they really push that that way of writing on us. Yeah, and well, it's and it's a weird way of writing because if you come from pretty much any background that's not the law, you're taught your introduction paragraph and your body paragraphs and your conclusion. Like they beat that into you, you know. Yeah. So this is. I mean, it really is just a foreign way to even think about writing something. Um. Yeah. It's just. It's. It really. And you know, I was really hooked on it, and I was really fighting to learn it, but it just didn't, it, I never really, I, I, I can totally understand. I can tell exactly what it is. I can explain to you how it works. I can tell you why it's a great thing, but for me to use in real life, I just can't get my head around it where it makes sense to me where it's, where I would use it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the thing, like in one L, um, they like, you know, Iraq, 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 that's all they talk about. But then, you know, you get to this point where you're not even really writing in Iraq. I mean, you're writing with like your headings, and I guess your heading is really your issue. And then we always put our rule statement first, which is your, your issue and then your rule and then your analysis and your conclusion. And so I get, it looks a lot different than you would imagine when you hear like you have to write Iraq, you you're thinking exactly like some of the model answers with the, the question and then the rule statement and just broken down. But when you end up writing, it doesn't look anything like it. Yeah. I think it's, if you have the time, and the, the luxury to sit there and Iraq everything and really write it out. It really gives you time to think. But when you have an hour long essay and you got it and they say go, you know, that's the old joke Fleming says, you know, people hear that and he says the first thing people say are screw Fleming and they start writing. <laughs> and, they go their own stuff. and I think that's true because, you know, to draw the thing, because you're taking your eye away from your computer from the question, you're completely off the side, you're drawing your outline, you're writing down your rule statement, you're writing everything down, and before you know it, you can get wrapped up in that IRAC so quick, half the time is gone, and you're, you know, you're not even where you want to be. And I think on that, like, also, I think that, I think they kind of don't explain it very well. Like, I mean, I remember they were like, IRAC, IRAC, and I remember thinking, okay, so what does that even mean? Like when you would start in 1L, I remember sitting in contracts and I remember my first essay I got back, they were like, you need to use the IRAC method. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even understand what that means. Like, cause I didn't understand the whole concept of formation was its own question. It was its own issue. Was there formation, you know? And then even under that, there's even more questions of was there a valid offer? And I don't think I could wrap my head around the fact that that's what they meant <laughs> when they said, this is the issue. You're looking back, we had a whole year of legal writing our first year. And I don't, I don't want to, I mean, it works for some, some people got it and they, they do really well. But I know for other people, it, it doesn't make um, entirely sense of what you're doing. Cause like if you were to write in the Iraq, so okay, well, Iraq is basically just the rule, which everybody knows the rule, you know, spotting the rule application or the, um, I'm sorry, is the issue. And every, you know, that's the whole thing is find the issue. Then, then the, the, the rule, if you know the rule and then, you know, and the conclusion is really, 
you know, it could be, there's not really a right answer to a rule. So just the application and the way they, they write the application the analysis, I think that should be the focus, but I don't think that's really um, taught that because it's like a subset of IRAC. Really, it is. Nobody, like, I know that um, I try and work with here because they're for with a lot of people, but I didn't even know about here because they're for until after I'd taken the FYLSE. Well, yeah, and I learned everything had to have a because in the middle, but that doesn't work for everything. And I didn't know that that you don't have to have a because unless it fits, you know, and it's it was just such a hard thing. Every time I did something, I tried to write it with the because, and I couldn't always make it work. Yep. And so that really got me stumped, and I got really stuck. And I started getting writer's block, and before you know it, I just had to go my own route. And then that's what worked for me, knowing that that there is there is another option. I mean, IRAC does work for them, but there are other options that are better suited. And I don't think it's, it suits very well for a contract essay, for the, for the big picture contract, which I think really does a disservice um, to me anyways, as you know, like when you're tutoring me, it helped me kind of get over that whole hump. Yeah, well, I mean, I think IRAC really applies. I mean, it, it, it works really, really well in crim law, and it works really well in you know, intentional torts. But when you have things like negligence, where there's like a very clear outline and like there's already a roadmap you have to address and with contracts, like there's only, you know, there's only one way to attack those things. The IRAC method just kind of messes you up. The IRAC is good if you have an element driven thing. If you, like you said, if you're doing criminal law, if you're doing yep. intentional torts, that works, that works out well because it's uh, they're standalone little mini essays. Yep. It's exactly perfect for that. For, um, you know, for, for element driven. I, fi I find that the element stuff is it's almost easy because it's just a little snippet you know i think that's why contracts is always the hardest for everyone is because it's 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 almost like its own subject i mean calling it contracts you know at least when you're in criminal law you know okay a criminal law and then i have my arson or then i have my homicide or then i have my you know my robbery you have all these little bits with contracts you have contracts but it's hard to understand that formation is like your little arson, you know? And then within that you have, you know, like malicious, you have your offer and you know, the little elements inside this bigger umbrella. A lot of those, we should be taught specifically how to write each one. You would never write a defamation like in Iraq. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine that? You couldn't write it. You couldn't write products liability like it. You can't write negligence like it. I mean, no. Uh, sections, yes, yeah, people are going to say, yes, yeah, sections you can. I mean, you can take, okay, negligence of this. This is the rule. This is the definition. This is the analysis. But it, it doesn't just lend itself to that straight. If that's all you know, it's just, you know how to do IRAC. If you're in negligence and you're, you're in um, duty and you have to go into special duty and then you have to go into, you, you're going down these different things, it's going to completely throw you off and then you're not going to be like, you know, oh, do I write IRAC on every separate level or I mean, every section, every section or every element? It, it's kind of misleading. Yeah. Or it's too, it's too basic and doesn't serve a purpose. I think there needs to be more writing classes specifically on here's how to write defamation. Here's how to write product liability. Here's how to write negligence. Here's how to write a murder. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, is it, is it Barbary? I think maybe Barbary does it piece by piece. Is that who does it that way? They teach you, well, I don't know if they teach you, but they have exercises where they ask you to write, um, just write on intent. And then once you get intent down, then they're like, just write on um, volitional act. And then just write on um, harmful or offensive touching. And then once you write all the independent bits, then they ask you to write just a paragraph on one specific thing, like just on battery. And they kind of teach you piece by piece. But 
I think that works when you have more time when you're in one L, you know, you only have so much time before you have to sit for your FYLC. So they don't, I don't think they have that time. Yeah. Well, and because the first half of the year, you're just learning the basics of law school, much less time to figure out how to write uh, an essay exam. Oh yeah. And depending on what school you go, you know, that's the other thing about the IRAC though, that I, I noticed and I didn't realize until after I'd been in law school was if you're looking at going to a law school and your law school doesn't use Iraq, you're not in a good law school. <laughs> uh, oh, you mean they don't teach you that? Yeah. There, I've worked with a few students who go to um, online schools and they don't teach them that. Oh, really? I mean, that's like kind of like the industry standard, like the beginning, the ABCs, like the initial, how you get going. I mean, I totally, I totally get it. I'm not against Iraq, but it doesn't serve enough purposes. But I think I think that's such a universal thing. You kind of have to know that. Well, yeah, like it's like where you start. I mean, like I tell everybody, my first essay we had like a body had three body paragraphs, an intro, and a conclusion. If we weren't taught Iraq kind of to beat us out of the old way of thinking into a new way of thinking, I would just be the worst essay writer ever. And so I've worked with a few people that have gone to some of the um, online schools that don't teach Iraq. And I just think if I hadn't had to reformat my brain and how I write, I would never have passed. That's weird to me that, that schools don't actually teach that. Even if they don't use it, they even, you know, if they're like, let you know this different thing, but that's weird that they wouldn't. Huh. Yeah. And a lot of them do that old school style too, where they teach them um, instead of doing, you know, the issue, which is your heading really. And then your rule and your analysis of the rule, they teach him to do that like combo where you, you put your analysis in the rule. Oh, the IAC. Yeah. Where they're like, there was a volitional act because Tom moved or Tom moved his arm in a volitional act with the intent of, I mean, they put it all together. Yeah, I know. We, we, um, we were taught about that, the IAC, but not to really use it. It's like if you run out of time in an emergency situation, just kind of lump it together. And I would be terrified to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't tell me about it. I don't want to know that's an option. Just keep me, just, just tell me what to do. Because, you know, because obviously they, they, don't, they don't want to think outside the box when it comes to, to structure of stuff. They want, you know, a, a predetermined way to do things. You know what's funny about my school, though, is like with in one L they tell you like it's hard enough to understand Iraq, but I think you get over that pretty quickly and how to like structure your essays In two L though, here we are. And they're really, really focusing on Iraq now, like all of a sudden where it would be okay to just, you know, when you're writing a negligence essay, you know, make negligence a heading, and, you know, duties a heading and you know, these are headings. Now they really want you to form them in questions. Because I've heard so many different stories of different teachers in different schools teaching different things that are either unique to that school. They're trying to push their own, I hate to say they push their own agenda, but they're trying to, you know, do their own thing or they're... They're all trying to be con professors, con law professors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I mean, really with, with one elders, I mean, that it gives you a good framework, you know, and if you look on it, I wish somebody would have told me a long time ago that your IRAC is pretty much just your outline. You know, like I wish somebody would have told me that a long time ago and I probably would not have a, had a nervous breakdown when we went from formation to performance. Like it might've been easier for me to understand. Yeah. You know, when I, um, it, I didn't even, I didn't really realize that until I got into my, when I did the baby bar and I got that 75 and that criminal law, I'm like, I'm just going to just write it straight as I see it, just kind of down the page. Mm -hmm. And it worked. And I got a 75 and then I'm like, Oh God, I guess you don't have to write. Because I was trying to do, I was trying to be good. It was my first essay. 
in my first baby bar, and I thought, all right, I'm going to do my Iraq, I'm going to do everything I get taught. And after a while, you start looking at the clock, you start getting nervous. Then it's like, it wasn't, it wasn't flowing, and I got stuck looking for the becauses, and I'm like, screw it, I'm just going to. I'm just going to start writing, and I did. I just listed things and wrote them. And I mean, you still write the same basic thing. You still have to list the issue first. You still have to do the definition. You still have to the analysis. So it kind of writes itself that way. But 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 I saw that there was there was other ways to approach things. Yeah, which yeah. saved me. I could I could see that. Yeah, and everybody, you know, and that's the thing. If you look at the model answers, everybody does it differently, like the way they approach it. But the one thing that stays the same is always that outline. You know, whether or not they're headings or questions or whether or not it's bold or underlined or one paragraph or indented. It's all just your outline. It's just you take your outline and you make it Iraq. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much. Yeah. Take yeah. What, it's like, you know, they'll take what they give you and just do what they say. Yeah, really. Well, and see, that's the thing is, I don't know about your school, but my school doesn't they don't give you outlines for one L. Like they, they make you make your own, like that's their thing. They're like, you need to learn how to write your own outline because you'll never understand it unless you do. And so of course, none of us just sit there. We all go looking for outlines in 1L thinking everybody makes a big deal out of these. So we got to go look for them, not knowing what we're looking for because our school doesn't provide it. And we all end up with like crazy outlines that are probably not the best. And I mean, it wasn't until probably the month I finished my 1L that I actually went out and got myself a really good outline. Yeah. I, you know, we talk about all the time. I don't know why schools aren't more, not that we want to be handheld, but because it's such a new experience for everybody and the schools want you to succeed, I would imagine. So why would you not make, make more things accessible to help a student succeed? Yeah. Because it's a good reflection on your school. Well, that's, a, that's what I would think. I mean, you guys have Flemings, and Fleming has Fleming has outlines that he sells, and they're really good outlines. Yeah, most of those professionals are are good, but then if they're not what your school wants, you're trying to write an essay like your final, and you follow a uh, Fleming thing. If I mean, look, like I said, I go to a school that's kind of a Fleming a Fleming school. But if you were to go to a different school, then they told you to write something different, and you wrote like Fleming's because you use his. Then, oh yeah. You know, that's, I mean, seriously, because Fleming, I mean, I think I've talked with you about this. He has this whole discussion on privity that he goes into when he is talking about um, strict product liability and tort. And that's in his outline. I mean, that's, those are issues you have to discuss based on his outline. My school doesn't do that. They don't bring it up at all. And they, it's not in their outline. So, you know, luckily for me, I never got a Fleming outline. If I had, and I'd have followed that, it doesn't mean it would have been wrong, but it's not how my school teaches it, you know? Right, and then they, then yeah, they. Uh, and then you lose, you lose points because you discuss something that your teachers didn't want you to discuss. Right, and you don't know. It's like, well, I was told this. Like, well, I didn't tell you that. Like, then, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, even though it's completely applicable. Like, if if you go and you look in the the dot, if you look in your case book or your horn book, I mean, clearly there is a discussion that you can have on privity. It's just not something that my school feels like we need to have. It's almost like extra, you know, and so what's extra for mine is normal for someone else's and what's normal for someone else's isn't for me. So it's just, it's really strange. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's weird. Um, like, like ours, remember we were talking about remedies, like how I know like way more than you because we got a lot of it and you got like little of it. Oh yeah. Which again to me is weird because it seems like it's a huge part of, you know, the, the essay, uh, 
one of the essays for the Bay Bar was discuss the rights and remedies. So, I mean, that was the entire call. There was three separate calls. There was three, three things that happened that, and each one that said discuss the rights and remedies for this, this one, and this one, all three of them. So I would, I can't imagine that you wouldn't. Um, yeah, it's completely, it's, it, it really is kind of crazy to me because I look back, you know, after I've been compiling all these essays and looking at all them, like almost every single contracts question, the second call of the question is what are the rights and remedies? Or if you're in like a negligence essay, you know, the second call of the question will be what are, you know, what are his damages or what is recoverable? And so the fact that like, I feel like we spent such minimal time, I, I'm kind of shocked that we, any of us ever really make it. <laughs> Yeah, I this, yeah, <laughs> and after that, you know, kind of stopped. I didn't, uh, I didn't study as much as I should have with my remedies. So this last, this you know, the one that had the right remedy, that I do is probably as good as I should have. But I don't know. Well, yeah. you know, that's the thing, though. That's the other thing that they don't tell you. Like you go to an online law school thinking that you're gonna get everything. Like you're, you know, they're gonna give you all the stuff that you need, but that's not really the truth because you really have to like invest your time and you have to practice and study for the, the FYLC and study to the FYLC specifically. And you have to go out and find out what it is you don't know. Like what either the, oh, they covered it in like a sentence during the modules or whether they didn't bring it up. But unless you specifically study for the exam, you'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. They don't, you don't know what you don't, and you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. I found that if I ask um, I used to get a good answer for my school anyways, but the thing is, if you don't know what to ask, then you're not going to get the, uh, the answer you need. Yeah. Like, you, you, can't you, ask, you can't ask what you don't know. Yeah. And you don't know if your school's covering remedies a lot or not covering it at all. I mean, you, you really have no idea what your school's teaching you, um, whether they're, they're heavy on one end or not on another, you just don't know. And, and you kind of just have to, pull those essays and look at it yourself. That's why when I was prepping for the FYLC, one of the big things that I did was I just looked at the model answers. Like I went through the questions and I looked at the questions, the call of the questions, and then I looked at the model answers. And that's kind of how I came up with my final outline was what do they have on the model answers that are standard? And then what's on my outline? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best way. I mean, they do tell you to read a bunch of them, which I, I did. So I think that's probably... That's actually kind of also clued me in that, that there are different ways to write. Because looking at them, I would try to, when I first started doing it, I was like, where's their IREC and how they write it? Where was their because? And like, half of them don't have that. Half of them don't, more than half don't have it like that. Most, most of them are just sitting down writing, covering what they need to go. And, you know, it's all a race in time because, you know, unfortunately typing comes into a big, a big piece of this, which is not, you know, my forte. So. <laughs> Yeah, I would tell you if you're gonna if you're gonna type your essay, then you better be pretty good at typing. Otherwise, you might as well handwrite. I'm I'm a relatively quick typer, so that's never been an issue for me. So, well, I mean, I'm a decent typist, but I mean, I can use the backspace. But that stupid exam soft, there's no spell check. That's I mean, doesn't it doesn't work like you would expect? Like no words are highlighted, so you can't really. Um, you know, have it do it for you. And I'm used to, you know, I can type the thing that comes up wrong, there's backspace and do it, but it doesn't work that with exam soft. So it's, it's, it's a different, um, it's a different uh, experience, I guess. Oh yeah, and those little things can really throw you off. Just the littlest things. And you don't really think those little things will throw you off, but they do. Like, I wish I would have played around with exam soft more before I used it. 
um, because I remember thinking, oh, well, this is just crappy. You'll laugh because I really didn't play with exams often. So when I got there, I was really shocked by the fact I couldn't end it and do like Roman numerals and like my brain. That's probably why it contributes to my really bad first essay score. But I mean, it's something little, like it's not really that big of a deal. It doesn't have anything to do with like the substantive law or what I remembered or anything like that. It was just, it was so thrown that I couldn't end it. <laughs> well, that's why I did that, that exam soft theater just so people could see, I mean, just installing it alone is a pain and trying to get some, you know, I, I want to even figure out a way to get a demo of actually using it to show. Sure. Oh, I did do some, I think there is someone that, that, video right yeah there is there's some on that video which is helpful because i remember being terrified downloading exam soft yeah and then oh that's right because i did a second part video where i show that how you can type in there but the but the spell check doesn't work like you can spell i think if you click on a let click on a word and then spell check it it will tell you but you have it doesn't like point out misspelling things you've got to be able to keep an eye on it as you go yeah yeah you do yeah, and I, I hear they're changing though i hear they're not going to be using exam soft anyways oh for crying out loud so we're going to have a whole new software come this June FYLC. Oh, serious? Yeah, that's what I hear. I hear they're using a, like a, it's either a new updated version, ExamSoft. It's got a different name or something, so. Oh, well, I guess do a new video. Yeah, well, tons of fun. They can, you know, everything, they got to keep you on your toes. I'm telling you, 1L is all about how much confusion and how many nerves can we break. Right. <laughs> <laughs> how uptight can we get these students before they crack? <laughs> let's screw with everybody and see how many people can drive insane. Serious. Let's let's see what we can do. Well, I mean, think about it. I mean, I guess it's more than just one L because we learn Iraq in one L, and then you learn like Firac in in three L, and then there's another one you fricka fracka that you learn. So it just it changes every time. Oh God! Don't tell me. <laughs> it just it just got to tweak it a little bit every time just to mess with us. <laughs> oh. Well. So the, the, I pulled this essay. I thought that I thought it was a really good essay. Um what year is this? This is the 2012 October for the Torts essay. I was really impressed with um answer A question 1 with the way they outlined and used, I guess it's really not Iraq. I, I see it as Iraq, but I don't think it's like the exact way Iraq is supposed to look because there's no questions. Yeah, I'm sorry, did you say answer A to question one? Um, question one, answer A, yeah. And I was really, I really like it because it's kind of, I don't, this is very much how my school teaches. And in my head, this is very much what Iraq looks like in my head. And by no means does anyone want to imagine what it looks like in my head, but where he, you know, he's got A, respondent superior, B, negligence, like those in my head are kind of the issue. Those are kind of the questions. And so even though they don't have questions there, I kind of see that as, as how I would do it. And then, you know, he throws down his rule statements or she, whoever they are, about, um, you know, when you take an affirmative act and you fail to act as a reasonable person, you know, there's your rule statement and then the analysis comes after it. So even though it's not, like broken down very ABC ish. I, I would consider this an Iraq type of writing. Now, see, that's funny you said because when I look at this, I, I don't see an Iraq in here at all. Like nope. respond yet superior. I would have put um, the issue and then, well, I guess, well, 
see because i would look i would look for four things real quick you know the issue the rule the application and then the conclusion and here it's kind of rolled together a little bit so to me i only see like two things just at a quick glance i see just two separate paragraphs and i'm looking for four even though the respondent superior is the issue you know um, yep that makes sense so it's kind of misleading to look at it quickly so I, I mean i don't think in my head it's not a true Iraq, but then again, everybody's taught different, everybody learns different, everybody thinks different. So not doesn't mean it's right. Oh, and it's totally different than what they show you. You know, like I said, like they like they always say the issue is a question. So, you know, if you were writing this in like your traditional Iraq method, it would say, you know, is there is there liability for respondent superior question mark? And then underneath that would be the rule statement, right? And then there would be the application which would be its own place, and then the conclusion. And I don't think there's even a conclusion here, but in my head, this is kind of how this is kind of how I ended up writing in Iraq is just using the theory respondent superior as the issue without a question mark, and then putting down my rule statement and then my analysis after that. And the conclusion, I don't put a conclusion unless I'm at the end of the theory I'm discussing. So and they don't, I don't think they tell us that. So like for respondent superior, I probably would have put a conclusion there, but after negligence, I, I would have gone through duty breach causation and damages. And I wouldn't have had um, my conclusion until after damages. But I mean, that's kind of the way I ended up writing. I know a lot of people that still or that passed the FYLC and who still write in that very Iraq formula with, you know, was there a duty question mark? And then their rule statement and then their analysis and, and then a conclusion at the end of their duty discussion. But I just, I just could never do that. It just didn't, it didn't flow for me. I think the single best thing to do is get all the previous exams you can. And I know they're all kind of all separated, but I think we have them all grouped together on our site. We'll just read a bunch of contract questions, see how the flow goes. And just kind of, I don't want to say wing it, but kind of be more free forming that look at a bunch of criminal law ones and just, see how the flow goes and write like that. Don't, don't be a slave to the IRAC. Just, you know, kind of, as long as you know it and you can use it if necessary, if you look at the flow of a lot of these, they don't follow at all. And you could, but you can get the flow. You know, if you stay in one, in one theory, let's say you go into criminal law and you read, you know, five essays on murder, then you can kind of get the flow of how they go. You can see what people get away with and see what they can't get away with. And, um, I kind of wish they would have some some bad exams in there to see, so like some 60s and 65s to. to oh, that would be good, right? Example: What not to write. Yeah, I, I'm. Is it Fleming that puts a book together of all the bad essays too? Well, not I shouldn't call them bad because the 65 is still passing, but he's got a bunch of the the um, model answers or the answers that came back with the 60 grade. Oh, I I don't know. I haven't. It I haven't may not it may not be Fleming. I know one of them, one of the people I've worked with, it might be Abraham Lincoln that gives their students, um, they get, a, they they ask all their students to turn in their FYLC answers with the grades and then they've compiled them. And there's a book with all of these answers in it. So you can see what, you know, a 50, a 55, a 60, a 65 look like, and you can see the different essays and the different writing styles and what the different grades were well let's put that on our list of things to do for anybody listening we'll have um we'll get some bad examples as well as some good examples so you can see what to write and what not to write what works and what doesn't work 
that would help that would have helped me so much because i i'm very much one of those tell me what not to do and i won't do it <laughs> I, I totally agree if i would have known what's not acceptable it's a lot easier sometimes knowing what is acceptable because they say well here's 10 things and 80s things are example are good but they don't tell you like okay but then if you don't know which two are not good then right. you know what not to do Right. And there's, and you know, it's kind of more important, I think, in, in law to know what not to do than what to do, because if you don't know what not to do, then you're throwing the kitchen sink at things. You know, that, that phrase that all our professors will tell you is whatever you do, don't throw the kitchen sink. But if you don't know what the kitchen sink is, you don't know what you're throwing. Right. And that's a, that's a big thing is we don't get, I don't know about you, but we don't get actual, our tests back. I don't, believe that are graded with comments on them. So you don't even know lots of times when you've made a mistake or what the mistake is, especially with the FYLSE, you just get back a, a raw score like, okay, well I got 75. Well, why did I got it? Why didn't I get an 85? And why didn't I get a 65? Like, what did I do right? And what did I do wrong? You yeah. Know, did I yeah. guess right? Or did I say something somebody else didn't say? Or did I just, you know, what? It'd be nice to see that. So I think that'd be a real big help. Yeah, there's a lot of guessing involved. Like our school, we get graded essays back. Like we have to do timed essays. We, I mean, we get one hour for one essay and we do multiple essays throughout each of our class, but we don't get any like feedback. We basically get, you know, here's your score. And we are given just this grading rubric that basically says if you are, if you got a 65, then you hit most of the issues, but you missed some of the important discussable issues. If you got a 70, then you, you discussed all the the issues that were discussable. If you got a 60, then you missed more than you should have. And anything under 60, like you go back and restudy. Um, but we don't get any feedback. So, you know, when you have something like duty, there's like a million things under duty. There's standard of care, there's licensees, invitees. I mean, there's a million things. So if you get a 60, which means you miss some serious issues, you don't know if you miss them in duty. You don't know if you miss them in causation. Like you don't know where they are. Like you have no idea and you give them the model answer and you can check yours against the model answer. But even then sometimes you'll look at your grade and you'll look at your essay and be like, I don't see what I didn't do. That was so significant that I didn't score high enough, you know? Right. And I think you can't, how can you improve if you don't know what you did wrong? Yeah. It's like, you know, like the old, you know, like I always use cooking comparisons. Like, you know, so here's, here's 10 ingredients to make a cake and then, you take a piece of cake, you know, your teacher takes a piece of cake, says this is terrible and throws it out. It's like, well, why is it terrible? Is it too much salt, not enough sugar? Is it too much flour? What did they do wrong for me? You don't know. They'll just like do it again. It's like, well, yeah. but if you don't know what you did wrong, you can't fix it. Yeah, it really, and, and that's the hardest part about law school. I, I really do feel like not only are we just kind of out there on their own, but we really don't get any feedback. And, you know, my school is, there's an honor code. We have an honor code policy that we have to follow. And our honor code policy is, I mean, I'll, it's hard to understand. I won't lie. Um, we all kind of ask questions. And anytime we send our professors an email, it always starts with, I don't know if you can answer this <laughs> or if this breaks honor code, but, um, but really you don't get any feedback. Like our honor code policy prohibits us from asking questions about our essays until we've submitted them and we've received a grade back. And then even then we're not allowed to discuss our essays with any of our fellow students, even if they are graded, we're not allowed to discuss them. So really you get absolutely no feedback. The only place you're going to get any feedback is looking at those model answers and kind of taking a stab at whether or not you hit the, the discussable issues because even some of the model answers aren't very good. 
Yeah, I don't know. We're the we were kind of the same way too. We were, I mean, you know, we all three of us, or all of us who were doing work on this, gone to different schools. We all had different experiences, and mine was not as quite as stringent. But most of the time, it was more of just like a, well, if you look here or go search there or go check out there. I mean, we had a little bit of of help, but it wasn't like a lot of detailed specific specifics and also a bunch of answers as to why, which I don't understand what the what why they do that or what what they hope to accomplish by doing that i think it's just an old school way of teaching i think it's like which is kind of funny because it's a very socratic method right like you know i'll ask you a question you know like you you ask me a question i'm gonna answer your question with a question like i'm gonna force you to go figure it out i'm gonna force you to think about it but we go to an online law school so you can't do the Socratic method in class, so don't send me an email with the Socratic method because that's not going to help. <laughs> yeah, so the Socratic method doesn't work in in online school. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it just confuses us. Yeah, and I hear there's a trend away from it. Um, I have friends who go to regular brick and mortar and fewer schools. They say there's kind of a trend away from from that. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense if you want someone to be the best attorney they can be or to be or to really fully understand the subject matter the best they can, then the best thing to do is to help guide them in the right manner, not ask them questions that confuse them even more. Or, you know, it's it's like the crystal ball, you know, like if you have one of those magic eight balls and it's got like four standard answers to it. I mean, I if you ask yourself, did I get duty right? You know, today is the day that that doesn't <laughs> <laughs> Ask the question again tomorrow. See yeah. if maybe not. <laughs> Hopefully you will be right one of these times. Yeah. And that that is one of those major contributing factors, I think, to a lot of people that just drop out of online law school. They just quit. Is you just I mean, like, how are you gonna it is hard to trudge forward into that good night, like jump into the fire and just keep walking through it after you get burned over and over and over again and you really have no idea if you're walking in the right direction and you feel like no one's on your side nobody wants you to succeed it really yeah. feels that way sometimes yeah it does it, re it and it feels really lonely like online law school is great for all of us who want to have our own lives but i mean some schools don't even have facebook forums for you to talk to other people and if you're not a Facebook person, which surprisingly a lot of people are, you never get to talk to anyone else. So you never hear that you're not the only one sitting there in this like pit of confusion and frustration. You, you know, and we all want to think that we're the only one. And it's really easy to just feel really isolated and really like just not hitting the mark. I own that training center and we do all kinds of training for, you know, Microsoft work for the studios and the city and stuff. And, and everybody has to have, has to come out there knowing what they paid for basically. I mean, and as an instructor, I've been a corporate trainer for many years. How could you, if I was, if a student came out there and didn't know something, I would get such a bad review. Like, well, he never talked about this. Or when I asked him a question about that, he never told me the right answer. Or I don't know how to do this. You would never get that student back. You never, you'd lose that company contract because that's, you know, teaching somebody how to do something is the whole, that's what school is all about. That's what education is. I, in my own mind, Oh yeah. No, I agree. Confident. They know it. They know how to use it and apply it, not just, you know, barf it back up. But Yeah. And see, that's, you don't even know if you're barfing it back up right. You know? Right. Cause you barf it up and it could be the wrong, you barfed up the wrong thing. You got yeah. a pile of barf. That's not even the right one. It's not even submitting the wrong barf. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. I mean like a perfect example of that though is um, the, um, Oh goodness. It was on the essay when they were talking about involuntary intoxication in June and people were bringing up diminished capacity. 
I know I looked back on my notes because I was really interested in finding out what diminished capacity was. And I went back in my 1L notes, I looked, and I literally had the word diminished capacity, and then I had might kind of sort of be like, and then nothing. <laughs> like, that's literally what I had. And then I went back into all my, like, material from 1L, and we never brought it up. I mean, it was mentioned, I think, once, and that was it. And there was nothing else to it. And so I'm really trying to wrap my head around what is – is this a valid defense or what does this mean? I had to get on Westlaw and I had to look it up to find out that at least from what I can see in Westlaw is the diminished capacity isn't even a recognized defense anymore. All it does is mitigate or reduce the sentencing that you're going to be given. Yeah. I learned that it should take into account when you're considering um, premeditation, deliberation and um, specific intent crimes, but it doesn't say if it's like a, you know, with justification defense or it's a, a complete defense or anything like that. But yeah, it doesn't say if it like erases the mens rea or, but I mean, it was just, it's one of those issues where you just don't know. Like if somebody brought it up once in class and that was it. And that's all I know. Like, I mean, literally you have to go out on your own and you have to hunt this stuff down. Yeah. And you don't know what to hunt down if you don't know what to hunt down. Yeah, the thing is, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but it's just, you don't know what you don't know. And at that, at that level, your first year, I think that's where all the handhold. I think when you're fourth year, you'd be, you better know what you need to know. So okay. I, I think it's totally backwards. I think the first year it's like, you know, you got to walk before you can, you got to stand up before you can walk type of thing. Yeah. And you know, I, with the way that they take everyone, you know, like, I, I know online law admissions are pretty, are pretty sparse. Um, but they are very different. I mean, some schools require you have an LSAT and some of them require you have a master's and then there's other schools that don't require very much at all, just that you have a pulse, you know? Um, but I, I really do think that they don't take into consideration that they have this huge gamut of people. And some of us have absolutely no experience with the law. Like I come from healthcare. So the only understanding of, of law I have are medical malpractice caps on litigation and insurance and, um, you know, contracts with HMOs, but that has nothing to do with arson. Like I, I never, and I never watched legally blonde until after one L anyway. So I wasn't even dumb enough to know what mens rea was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and a lot of people, the stuff they come in knowing they, they know the wrong stuff. They think, well, I watched law and order for 12 years. I know this. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. And they, they just kind of assume that everyone has this like base of knowledge that you can jump into, um, into intent. I think that's where we started with intent. And in my head, I was like, well, I intend to do something. Isn't that the same thing? I mean, I, I absolutely had no concept of any of the stuff they were talking about. None. Well, that's the thing is, is I got confused. And I think we have a whole article on that on, a, um, on the terminology, because there's words that are legal words, or there's, there's words that are, have a, an everyday usage and also have a legal meeting that have nothing to do with each other and they're very confusing to use. Oh my goodness, isn't that the truth? You know, and like when they use like the word consideration, like, you know, in contracts law, consideration is the is a big term. But then they'll say later on, they'll say, Well, you know, there was no there was no consideration in this, but then he considered um, buying that instead. So when they were done considering that, you know, they they use them kind of interchangeably to kind yeah. of screw with you too. So that also causes more more problems when you use you know, the same word two different ways when you're teaching somebody. So I got, I got confused on several items like that. Oh yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, you think about it. I remember thinking, okay, consideration, like they thought about they were going to buy it. Like, I don't like, there has to be some kind of like 
decision to buy it. I'm sure that if they bought it, they thought about it. And you really like bargain for exchange. And like a lot of this stuff is just, especially with contracts was foreign to me because I'd never heard of, you know, like delivery. What is it like board on delivery BOD or, you know, you know, a lot of these things I just, I have never dealt with in my life. So I had no idea. And a lot of the concepts or a lot of the like hypos they would use I remember reading going, I don't even know what that means. Like, what is, what is a securities and exchange? I don't understand why this is even relevant. And I would have to change things. I'd have to be like, well, they, they entered into a contract and it would say like securities and exchange. And I would be like, I don't know what that is. So I'm going to call it boats. And so <laughs> like literally changing things in, in the fact pattern so I could understand. <laughs> um, at the end of our first year, I told our Dean, I said, um, that there was that we, that you know they asking like what what could be better what could be improved I said you know if we had like a mandatory orientation video to watch like an hour or two somebody to go through and explain what what is what so at least you have a your head on like where you're going not just I told you after a year I still didn't I still was studying torts as one item and not as six different yeah categories of items because I wasn't taught that way because I didn't really get that they weren't all you know that some things float across theories to each other, but not realizing that they were complete. You know, defamation was defamation. It had nothing to do with intentional torts. Although you could have, you know, some crossover here and there. Like intentional could be, a, you know, you could have certain overlaps of like intent. You know, you can have intent. You know, because defamation can be intentional. So some stuff like that. This kind of, but for the most part, it's so hard going in and just starting because you don't know what a case study is. You don't, you know, and if you do, it's obviously not the same as a legal case study or case brief. Yeah, and you know, reading all these different foreign words, especially when they're old English from fifteen hundred years ago. Oh yeah, are you kidding me? Like, what's what's the difference between dicta and what's the difference between a holding? And you're like, I have no idea what any of that means. Like, what what are you even what are you even talking about? And then you throw in all the crazy Latin words, and that just makes it even more confusing with your caveat impors and you know. Oh yeah, and the, even the the common stuff, like they'll say, like you know, like. Oh, and the FYLSC, the first time I took it, I saw something about a summary judgment. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what a summary judgment is. Right? <laughs> never, that, was nothing, that wasn't, we never talked about that kind of stuff in school. I mean, and they ask you those things like you're supposed to know. So, like, so you don't know what you don't know. And, um, you know, I know it now, but I didn't know it then when I, when I needed it. Now I don't need to know, but then I did and I, I don't, so. <laughs> well, uh, but I think that's the, it's almost like the ongoing gag in law school. Like, you'll just never know. There's so much you'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you'll never know just, you don't know until you don't know. <laughs> thank God you only need like a 560 to move on. Oh, seriously, right? Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, there's nothing better than those numbers. Just <laughs> It's like a warm, fuzzy feeling. Screw your 420. We're down with the 560. <laughs> yeah, right. that's the 560 is a new 420. That's right. That That's all we care about is the 560. <laughs> oh, God. We should have like a big celebration on, what is it, May 6th, like on May 6th, we'll call it the 560. <laughs> oh yeah, the new 560 day. You should mark, the, you know, we should, I'm going to put my calendar right now. We're going to, we're going to have some kind of a, of a celebration where we're going to build up. We should for the 560, the 560, that's the, the magic number. <laughs> So that's about all the time we have this afternoon. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. And don't forget to join us on 560, the new day to celebrate. 
This has been the BP Learned Hand and the Reasonable One with FYLSE Real Help to pass that baby bar. It's the IRAC. Oh, yeah.